All right. Thank you, teachers who have left and cannot hear me. Okay. Thank you. Strange place that we live in, is it not? And um, we have seen some strange, strange, strange people do what I'm doing now in teaching. Some horror stories, aren't there? Um, kind of weird. There are people who think that they cannot share the gospel because they've sinned. And there are people who are sinning and going out and sharing the gospel. And there's a lot of strangeness to that. And, and how is it to be done? And since no one is perfect, what is the line that you cannot or should not cross? Is there a line? I want to teach you about that. How about that? So we're going to go to the Word, and let's pray. Lord, teach us. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Please speak to us. God, I pray that you will liberate us uh, from ourselves and uh, help us to understand you in a way that's pleasing to you and congruent with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I had um, an experience before that many of you know about. I've, I've mentioned this um, several times before. I was uh, serving in a very large church and our college minister, who was the uh, pastor's son, was um, he's a very, very dynamic uh, speaker, very charismatic personality. People just magnetized to this guy. Uh, unlike anyone that I've ever actually met in person, I've never met anyone in person that was as magnetizing as, as, as this guy was. Everything he touched uh, turned to gold. And uh, one day there was an accusation that he had been uh, touching a girl. And, of course, he fought it tooth and nail, and everybody was like, no, he wouldn't. And then we stopped. I lost count somewhere after 30 women who came forward and said he'd been touching me. Now, we're not talking um, rape. We're talking just some, some form of unwanted behavior, some form of molestation. And so... Uh, Man, that, that sent me on a spiral uh, to be able to forgive this person. And y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, that's church language, to be able to forgive them. Listen, they're alive, and that means Jesus did a work in me. You know what I'm saying? And he, he was run out of town because there was a bunch of daddies looking for him. resurfaced a couple months later, kid you not, making Christian purity videos. I'd hate to stand next to that dude in a lightning storm. You think that's okay for him to do? Be making videos about sexual purity after he was ran out, months after being run out of town for molesting a number of girls that I, I, we, we couldn't even keep track of. 
You think that's okay for him to do? Isn't that wild? And here's the question, though. You've sinned, haven't you? No, it wasn't that, okay? It wasn't that, but we've sinned. Where's the line? So does that mean none of us can do it? So, Pastor, you're going to condemn us all? We can't. See, it begins to get a little muddy, doesn't it? Because you're like, the audacity of that guy. But then we begin to wonder, are we, are we now invalidated? I've sinned, so can I not share the gospel? I've got a lot of scripture I want to talk to you about this, and I, I really hope that the Lord clears this up with you today. But I want to start with a story, and I had to make a phone call this week because I cannot tell this story appropriately. So I've asked Teresa, Teresa, will you please come up? You don't have, you can use the stairs. Will you please come up <laughs> and, and tell your story? And she's got five minutes, so if you see me doing this, I'm not being rude. I'm holding to my word, because if you know Teresa, five minutes, ain't, that ain't going to happen <laughs> without some help, okay? That's the truth. They I know you. Him, I said, I can, I can do five minutes. He goes, I don't think you can. Yeah. Okay, so time starts now. Um, I was a missionary at one time. Some of you know that, and some of you don't know that. I was an outreach coordinator for Fountain Gate Fellowship in Abilene, and I was living life for the Lord. I was absolutely, whatever you want, God, I'll do. I'd been to Europe four times. So um, I was living for the Lord, and I began to sin. And then I sinned a little bit, repent, and then I began living in sin. And it was not an overnight thing, but what happened is 14 years later, I'm in a ditch, double the limit of alcohol in my system, broken back, and spent a year with a broken back laying down. And, um, I had resigned to myself that I would never, ever serve the Lord again. I had gone too far. And I'm not going to get into any of those details in public. <laughs> but I had, I had gotten bad. I had spiraled completely out of control. And I was absolutely living for myself. I can't even blame the devil. It was all about me. It was Teresa's version of Teresa. And what happened is... When I had that wreck, before I had that wreck, I was blacking in and out, but I do remember screaming and yelling at God, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And he wrecked me. <laughs> he broke my back. And I know he was in the car with me, and he kept me from dying, but he wrecked me. And I was mad. I was thankful, but I was mad. And I spent... The first bit of that, angry at God because I couldn't do the things I wanted to go do. I knew he saved me and I, I knew there was a reason because you know, but I was mad. And I, I, there was times I would even curse God then, but he, he lamed me. He, he hurt me so he could save me, if that makes sense. And I believe 100% that he did that just like he does to the lamb breaks the leg, and the shepherd has to carry him because you're going to follow me. 
because you're mine. And so that's what happened to me. But in that year of being on my back, not being able to go anywhere, no money because I couldn't work anymore, and all of those things that came along with the wreck, losing everybody that was in my life because nobody wanted anything to do with me now because I wasn't doing what they were doing. Even though I'd, I wanted to do what they wanted, <laughs> but I knew I could not do that anymore. And there was a point that came <clears throat> when God told me, Teresa, your version of you stinks. But my version of you is what I'm going to make of you. And when I lose track of that and I, I get into wallowing, I remember that. And, and I'm going to tell you that coming to the Lord and giving your life to the Lord is not an emotional response. That is not what he wants from you. It is something you have to think about. It is something you have to commit to. And he let me spend six months thinking about that. And it was not an emotional response. I mean, there was a lot of emotions involved. But it is not an emotional response. It is, I am giving my life away to my creator to be his version of me. And, and even in that, and learning this, and God building me up, and me going to group on Tuesday nights, and doing all that, I had resigned that I would never be in ministry again because I had fallen too far. I had done some really terrible things, and I thought I've fallen too far. God, thank you, though, for letting me raise my daughter. Thank you for letting me get back into teaching. Thank you, Lord, for being part of this group. <laughs> Next thing I know, Dusty's like, hey, I need you to lead Tuesday night. I'm not going to be there. And I said, well, I won't lead, but I'll facilitate the meeting. Didn't I, Carla? She goes, oh, you're our leader. I was like, no, I'm facilitating because I'm not going to be in ministry. And... Thank you, Carla. <laughs> and it happened again and again. And then there's children's ministry. And little by little, not even knowing that that's what I was doing, God has put me back into ministry. And he has healed that. And he didn't do that for me. He did that for him. He has validated me. He, he is still creating in me his version. And so I think that's what you kind of wanted me to talk about. I could keep talking, but thank you for letting me share. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, the timer was off. You had eight seconds left. Wow. Man, and you know, you, you know, I mean, if, if, if you've been here, you know that we, we use Teresa for everything and she's ministered to so many people in here thinking that she had been invalidated thinking okay I'll never be in ministry again I've gone too far I've done too much and so you're like pastor you're speaking out both sides of your mouth because you're talking about this guy who did something and you didn't think he should be in ministry again and but you're talking about how Teresa's been restored listen whether or not you should be in ministry is 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 a lot like your salvation it's it's above my pay grade I can't tell you that. You've got, to, you've got to deal with the Lord, but I know that God created you with a purpose, with a job, with a mission. And he wants you to fulfill that, but he wants you to fulfill that on his terms. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked, for a man reaps what he sows. We cannot sow seeds of discord and reap righteousness. 
And that's what he's looking at. And he showed Teresa. And he gave her six painful months to think about this. And then he restored her. But first he had to break her down. Now see, in the, in the story that I mentioned er, earlier, there was no understanding of this man within himself of his own depravity. And it shows by how quickly he got back into something that he obviously did not understand. And hopefully God has restored him. But what does the Bible say about this? I'm glad you asked. Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to be reading there and uh, all the scripture is going to be on the screen. Nobody expects you to be a Bible scholar. I got free Bibles for you in the back. It's our joy. Please take one of those on your way out if you don't have one. Even if you have one, but you just don't know where it is right now, would you take one? We want you to go like fact check this. Write notes down. You'll want to revisit some of these scriptures because I think this is going to mean a lot to some of you who have felt distant from God for some time now. That's why we're teaching this. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 21. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his disciple, Timothy, and he says, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies previously made about you so that by, uh, by recalling them, you may fight the good fight. Verse 19, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and shipwrecked the faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered to Satan so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. Who are these guys and why did they get delivered to Satan and how does that happen? Now, I can't cover everything in this scripture, but I want to focus on one thing because I teach about this from occasion and maybe more than anything else that I teach, I get pushback on this from from you all. And so I want to clear this up and and help you understand what I'm talking about. If I use the word... uh, and this is, I, I, maybe I need to find a better phrase for this, but I'll use the word, hey, you've invalidated yourself. And they're like, no, oh, pastor, God is bigger than anything. Nobody's been invalidated. But look what he's telling Timothy. He's like, some people are denying their conscience. They're denying what the Holy Spirit is telling them is right or wrong. And because of that, they have shipwrecked their faith. See, that's the same thing that I'm talking about. And you're like, well, you, listen, listen. God, God is bigger. God is bigger than that. You can't, you can't invalidate yourself. You can't shipwreck your faith. Yes, you can. You can shipwreck your faith. You can make yourself someone that I really don't want to listen to because you're teaching about righteousness, but you're sowing discord, and I just don't believe what you have to say. And he's saying they've denied their, what, what their conscience is telling them to do, and they've shipwrecked their faith. The first thing I want you to understand is this. You have to, this is a disaster today. You have to have a ship to wreck it. Are you saying because the sinner going to hell? No, you have faith. You have faith. You're just invalidating yourself for a period of time in the ministry by your actions. Right? I mean, if I were up here and giving, giving daily to drunkenness, having an affair on my wife, that would just be humanity. That's not something that we don't see often. But would you want to come hear what I have to say about the Word of God? Right? Doesn't that kind of shipwreck my faith? Now, can ships be put together? Yes. Does that mean you're going to hell because you made a sin? No, I've still got a ship. It's just 
taking in water right now. Do you understand? I'm not doing those things, by the way. But you have to have a ship to, to wreck it. The reason I want you to understand this is because a poor understanding of this will, will frustrate you. And we have a lot of Christians who are living a dualistic lifestyle, but they're taking in motivational speakers instead of teachers of the Word of God. And, and they're living in sin and like, God, you're not blessing me like they said online you'd bless me. I sent that email to seven people and I didn't receive my $1,000. I don't know why you sound like that all of a sudden, but... Uh, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very frustrating when we're working against God and working with God. You ever try to carry something with somebody, like a couch, and one side's heavier than the other, and it begins to tip, and so you correct it, and they think it's tipping the other way, and they're actually pulling it to the heavy side, and you're working against each other, and then you get a divorce? So, uh... (laughs) It's frustrating, and that's like what you're doing with God when we're, when we're fighting against him as he's trying to work for us, and that's what Teresa was doing, and finally God, were y'all here a couple weeks ago? Uh, maybe you need to go back and read in Genesis about where Jacob wrestled with God. Teresa wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with God, and the, the, the funny thing is, like, Jacob won, and then God was like, no, you didn't, Hit him on the hip, right? And you have to wrestle before you can come to that point. And so she got a chance to do that. But I, I want to, to help you avoid the frustration of God's not blessing me, God's not blessing me. There is a parable that I'm just going to explain quickly, just for time's sake, because I've taught about this parable quite a few times, okay? I hate not to read it to you, but I have other scripture I, I really want to read to you. So uh, you guys... You guys can um, go look it up on your own. But Jesus said that a man went out and, and he was planting seeds, right? And so that man is, is, is him and he's planting seeds and the seeds are of the gospel. And as he planted seeds, uh, they fell on different types of soil. Now that's you. You're the different types of soil. And one seed fell on the path, but the path was too hard to receive the seed. And so something came and snatched the seed away. Notice that that seed never died to itself, right? Seed has to die, in essence, in order to grow. The next seed fell on, uh, on, on rocky places where there was shallow soil. And so because that soil was not cultivated, because there was not room for really the root system to grow, that seed took and it sprouted up quickly, but it never produced fruit. But that one became a plant. That's important. It just didn't bear fruit. Another one was thrown among the thorns. And the one among the thorns, the seed sprouted up, but it was choked out. Never received enough sunlight. Never received enough nutrition. What it needed was stolen by its exterior, by its culture, by its world. And that seed also sprouted. It became a plant. But it never produced And then the fourth one was put on good cultivated soil and it produced 60, 90, 100 times itself. One seed became 100, which is supernatural because wheat doesn't make 100 grains per stalk. And so what I need you to understand in this parable is that God is saying, I'm throwing the seeds out and you're one of these types of soil, but out of those four, only one never became a Christian. The other three that did not produce fruit, they became a plant. Those were Christians. They were just Christians with a shipwrecked faith. 
because of the cares of the world or because they would never get into God's word and cultivate the soil and have room for depth and growth. They were Christians, but they were frustrated Christians because they never did what they were intended to do, which is reproduce, disseminate. Understand that God uses the seed analogy a lot. And, and I have a friend who's an agronomist, and I said, you know, the, the goal of a tree is to reproduce. And he said, wrong. The goal of a tree is to disseminate. I said, what's the difference? He said, if a, a tree plants too many seeds within itself, the soil becomes so toxic it will kill all of them. And so plants have been designed with these clever ways to spread the seed away so that they can grow and spread their seeds away and it's to disseminate. So how did God design this? Have you ever eaten fruit? Yes, yeah, so has everything else in nature. And it is wrapped in something wonderful so that everything desires it. And because you are desirable, that seed of the gospel gets sown. God designed all this just to show us something. So you have the seed, you have the truth of the gospel, but if you are not kind, if you have no love, you have no fruit bearing around that seed, why anyone would want that seed. Is that making sense? Everybody smell what I'm stepping in today? Here we go. And then we get to this. So don't lose track. This is what we're talking about. There are things that we can do. Paul tells Timothy, some have avoided their conscience, and so they have shipwrecked their faith. I say, don't plant seeds of discord. It will invalidate you. It will shipwreck your faith. God will do something that you might not like. Almost every time this is where we go. That's not true, preacher, because there's only one unforgivable sin. Let's talk about the unforgivable sin. However, keep in mind, out of those four, only one of them was never a Christian. <laughs> the other ones were Christians. They're going to heaven, but as the Bible says, as one escaping through the flames. They never produced fruit. They never fulfilled their purpose. They never experienced true joy. Watch somebody become a disciple in Christ. That's true joy. Okay, here we go. The unforgivable sin is mentioned in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. I don't see anyone writing this down. I see one. It's also Luke chapter 12, verse 9, and it's also uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 20 through 28. Uh, I had to just pick one, and so I went with Mark because it's the last one I mentioned. Mark. Chapter 3, verse 20 through 28. The context is the same in every one of these. Here's the scenario. Jesus entered a house and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. Jesus is getting real popular. People are coming to him. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said he's out of his mind. That includes his brother James, who later became a leader of the church. Why? What happened to James? He saw that Jesus wasn't in his tomb anymore. He became a believer. Verse 22, the scribes who had become 
uh, the scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Beelzebub. Jesus performing miracles, right? And so they're trying to invalidate Jesus because he's taking power away from them. And so what did they come up with? Ah, it's through Satan that he does these things. And in every context, the unforgivable sin is mentioned here after they accuse him of being possessed by Satan. Imagine, they're accusing God of being possessed by Satan. And he drives out demons by the ruler of demons. So he summoned them and he spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. This is the context. This is what people are referring to when they say there's only one forgivable sin, and that is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, verse 29, never has forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. And so, uh, interesting, uh, what happened in this context, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees who are saying that he is possessed by Satan, and that's why he's doing these things. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. You're like, whoa, I thought they were one. Yeah, they are. But also, Jesus had the Holy Spirit. And so he was performing miraculous deeds through the power of the Holy Spirit. And these Pharisees were blaspheming the Holy Spirit by giving credit to Beelzebub, by giving credit to Satan for what he was doing. And so they were denying the power of God. They were denying the salvation of God. They were denying the miracles of God. And they didn't follow Jesus. This is the unforgivable sin, is to deny the power of Christ, to deny the work of of the Holy Spirit basically means they never follow Jesus. That's what a Christian is, is a follower of Jesus. So the unforgivable sin is to deny Jesus. You already knew that. What does it mean to be a Christian, right? We believe as Christians there's heaven, there's hell. There's following Jesus, there's not. And so now we wrap it in this new package called unforgivable sin. It's pretty much the same thing to deny the power of the Holy Spirit. So why would someone bring that up when we're talking about don't shipwreck your faith? It has nothing to do with it. We're talking about sowing seeds of discord. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about something completely different. Let me ask you, when you were a kid, and you messed up, did your parents divorce you? Now, there are some. I, 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 I know a guy. Actually, he divorced his parents. I didn't even know you could do that until he did it. So, th- so there are some. But, but with, with, with good parents, you, you mess up, and you know it's coming, right? But what's coming? Divorce? Rejection? No, that's not what's coming. Hold on to that thought.
Hebrews 12, verse 5 through 7. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that the father does not discipline? We're not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about being disciplined. I don't reward bad behavior in my kids. I try not to, because let's face it, as a culture, we do that, right? They throw a fit until they get what they want. It's a reward for bad behavior. Uh, God is not a foolish parent, and he does not reward bad behavior. This is what we're talking about. It's not, it's not about you, you're not, a, you're not a, a Christian anymore. You can still be a frustrated Christian. That was the seed planted among thorns. That was the seed planted in shallow soil. It was still a Christian. But God wants something more. You want something more. We have within us a longing to be fulfilled. And we search for it most of our lives. And that's why people get so hung up on this thing called Christianity. This is the frustrating part. Because someone will come to me, since I'm the pastor, and go, Pastor, this happened. Teresa, I think that... I was in a wreck and my back was broken and I'm on my back and, 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 and it's put me into financial ruin. It's put me into depression and I think that God is disciplining me. And I'm like, oh, so you got it. Before I can say anything, people will come. I mean, people will hear that. Somebody in Dollar General will hear that and sprint to us and go, oh, no, honey, God doesn't work that way. <laughs> yes, he does. Have you ever read the Bible? In fact, that's what most of it is. That's what most of it is. Well, that's just bad. No, it's not. Being a good parent's not bad. He wasn't done with Teresa. He had to break her down so he could build her up. In fact, in fact, the fact that God is disciplining you means that he hasn't abandoned you. Spanking my kids, disciplining my kids, time out, whatever you do, means that you haven't given up on them. I'm still reproving you because I have hopes that one day you won't be an axe murderer, a little kid, like I think my son might be at this moment. <laughs> that means I haven't given up on you. God's discipline on you is proof that he still wants you. I hope this liberates you. God's discipline on you is proof that he still accepts you as a son and daughter, that he still has work for you to do, and he's working on your character, he's working on your integrity, and he's making you someone worthy of listening to. You have a platform that I don't have. Man, Pastor Dusty Purvis, if that dude didn't invalidate himself, neither did you. Ten years ago, any advice he would have given you was not worth listening to. And now, he's our care pastor at church. 
God validated him. I still wouldn't want you to go back in time and take his advice from 10 years ago. God had to bring him down to a place so that he could build him up to what he's doing. It didn't mean he was done with him. And everybody jumps in this conversation. Oh, that God doesn't work that way. There's only one forgivable sin. That is 100% out of context. I'm not talking about you going to hell because you sinned. I'm talking about how God is not going to bless sin. That's all we're talking about. And he wants you to see that. And we get ample opportunity. And when he doesn't take it, he's like, all right, bend over and grab the bed. <laughs> Woo, can he swing? And some of you are looking back like, is that what that was? Yes, and I'm sorry that people were telling you no. Now, not everything. Just because something bad happens doesn't mean that God is disciplining you, okay? You're going to have, some, have to have some discernment on that. All right, the, the, the early church. Dude, people were being murdered and persecuted just for being followers of Jesus. Does that mean that they were in sin? No! No, not at all. You're going to have to discern that. You know what you've done. And that's why this is, this is what I'm saying. Like, this is above my pay grade. Listen, if being a pastor means that I run around and monitor everyone's behavior, I retire as of five minutes ago. That is horrible. I would not want that. No, this means that, that I get to liberate you from whatever bad teaching and allow you to know that God is working on you because he still has a plan for you. This is not a brow-beating message. This is a, aha, he still has a plan. He still has a mission. I've not gone too far. And that is every breathing person in this place God did not make a mistake. He was not like, you know what? I'm going to make some blue coins and some red coins, and I'll use the red ones, and the blue will just be a complementary color. You wear the priest collar. You wear the robes. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a mission. You have people at your job that I'll never talk to. You have people in your family that no one else can reach. God has something that he wants you to do. And if you are frustrated, look. This is why we have the scripture, so that God can tell us, this is what I want you to do. Outside of that, I'm not there. Inside of that, aha, we're in. And so we strive, we try. Perfection, never. We talked about that last week. Dude, go, go read 1 John. You, you, will, you will never reach perfection. You will always fall when you're following Jesus. The difference is when you get back up, which way do you walk? Keep following him. It's when you get back up and you turn and go the other direction. At that point, you've stopped following him. I didn't say you're going to hell now. I didn't say you lost your salvation. I said that you have a father who's got ways of making you follow him again. Why? Because he loves you. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? And God sees that so much that he saw, you know what Teresa needs? Broken back. 
That's a little harsh, don't you think, God? No, no, no. God's looking at eternity. He thinks that a back is a small price to pay for eternity. Teresa has probably questioned that a few times, huh? Dude, she was in pain. She was in pain. But would you trade those days of pain for what God is doing now? How about getting to go see heaven? How about a year in heaven? How about 10 years in heaven? How about 100 years in heaven? How about 1,000 years in heaven? How about a million years in heaven? How about a bajillion eternity? Back starts looking like a smaller deal, doesn't it? God is reproving her because he loved her. Understanding this will keep you from needlessly being mad at God. And I hear that all the time. I think, Pastor, I think God is punishing me. That's not for me to decide. I'm here to help you get closer to Jesus. I don't know about all that stuff. That's, that's, you, that's you and the Lord. Nobody can do that for you. God is calling us to a deeper faith. Worship team, go ahead and come up. He's calling us to a deeper faith. He's calling us to give our life. And we live in a culture that says giving your life is not necessarily giving your life. I disagree. See, Jesus bought me. He offered that. He was a real gentleman about it. So you can follow me. I gave my life for you. I died for you. Now in return, I want you to live for me. And I accepted that. And though I forget it often, my life is not my own. And so how many ever days he wants me to live in this place is of no concern to me. You want to hear something weird? I've given my children to the Lord and their life is not mine. And how many ever days God wants my children to be on this earth is of no concern to me because I've given them to Him. He is theirs to do with whatever He pleases. He chose to shut the mouth of the lion that was going to eat Daniel because He needed Daniel to go and write prophecy that we would still be reading today, that we see unfolding before our very eyes. He saw the early church people being thrown into the Colosseum in front of lions and he chose not to shut their mouths because he wanted them to die at the mouth of those lions so that people would see their conviction and that they took their faith to the end even in the face of a lion and that that would give us the courage to become a Christian. Both cases, their lives were given to Jesus. It was inconsequential whether they were in a situation where the mouth was going to be open or the mouth was going to be shut because they had given their lives. God is calling you to give your life. And I think that he has impressed things on you before you walked in here today. And you've kept telling God no because you think that you're invalidated. No, you're not. You're still a son, a daughter of the living God who has a plan for you. And until he says he's done with you, which he said he'll never leave you or forsake you, you still got a shot. You still have a mission. You still have a purpose. 
Well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. Probably don't want to. But I know a bunch, and y'all are weird. <laughs> and he's still disciplining you. And he's still speaking to you and beckoning you and calling you. And so if God's not done with you, it's not for me to say that anyone's done with you. It's not for me to say that you're invalidated, that you can't be in the ministry. It's completely up to God. If he's still prompting you, if he's still working on you, if he's still giving you revelation when you read the scripture, if he's still speaking to you, then he's not done with you. Let it go and serve God. You're not going to clap for that one? We got nothing to clap for. If God is not done with you, then let it go and serve him. I know you've done a bunch of stuff. I know you have regrets. I know you get to thinking about it and you get in your head and there's a song that comes on the radio and you're just done for the day. But man, he's still working on you. That means he hasn't given up. So you don't give up. God wants churches to be planted all over this place. We need daycare. You're like, what is that? Because you're planting a church. I, I'm just going to say this and then we're going to be done. Man, we got to start taking care of kids. Mom and dad's got to go to work. And we got little ones that are being put in that slave mentality. We got little girls who are being molested and messed with because they're in a place that they shouldn't be while mom and dad are in, at, at work. Or they're in a place that they shouldn't be because mom and dad can't have two incomes because somebody's got to stay home and take care of the little one because we can't make two incomes. And it's, it's crippling families, but then these kids get into a place that they don't need to be. And then Satan starts to work on them, starts to work on them, starts to work on them. And then women come to me in their 20s, in their 30s and say, I think that when I was little that I was raped. How do you think? How do you? Because you've been messed with since you were little. Somebody got to start a daycare so we can grow confident children. And when something happens to them, they go, whoa, I got to go tell Miss whatever that this is happening because I know that's not supposed to happen. It seems like that would be a clear cut thing. But no, Satan starts messing with our kids when they're little. And I'm just using this as an example. Maybe, maybe you can extrapolate that into something else that God is calling you to do. But dude, there's ministry everywhere for you to do. And if you don't do it, nobody will do it. And God is calling you. And so stop acting like your bus left. There's another one coming. It's like the Weather Channel. Every hour on the eights. You got a new one coming. God is not done with you. Pray with me. Lord, I pray for these people, God. I pray, Lord, that, that, you, would, that you would move and, and, Father, that people felt like uh, they, they had done too much and gone too far, God, that you, would, that, that, that you would just, like, warm their spirit. Just that coldness that we've had to serving you, to, to sharing your word, to ministry in general, Father. I pray that you would just, uh, you, you would just warm that. Take that, take that stone and, and, and begin uh, uh, to melt that, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will uh, just 
just just quicken our spirits put it within us father because you will empower us god i know that you're not worried about the end you're not worried about the destination you're not worried about whether it will work god you just need us to act in faith and god i pray that you will give us that measure of faith god i pray that we will step out that you will confirm it god i know that somebody in here is wondering right now am i supposed to do this am i supposed to jump back in the ministry am i supposed to start doing something am i supposed to to lead someone and god i pray that you will give them confirmation through your holy scripture church go read the word god i pray that you will give them confirmation through answered prayers church get on your knees god i pray that you will give them confirmation through uh through spirit-filled believers coming up and speaking prophecy over their lives and god i pray that you will open doors and we ask this in jesus name church the worship team is going to play uh man whatever you are walking through we want to walk with you let us know put that on your connection card better yet when service is over come chat with us we want that i've got uh uh, belinda i just told her that she's going to be in the front tim and samantha are going to be in the front and so is james come talk to a man about whatever god is putting on your heart hey will you stand if i just mentioned your name will you stand so everybody can see come talk to them so you can talk to them about what god is putting on your heart to do okay now y'all can sit back down thank you And uh, also, we worship through tithe and offering, so put that in there as well. But please stand and worship with us.